whenever you want to start, we can start. Okay. Is, episode, is this episode 20? No, it's 19. Or 19. This no, is no, 19. No, 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 All 19. Right. no, 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 19. No, no, 19. 19. <laughs> In 2016, the average podcast <laughs> count was 19. <clears throat> no, 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 19. Right. Uh, My nasal spray finally right. kicked in. Oh, cool. Well, you know, if we need to, if we need to stop, I think it's funny if you, if you're sniffling on the show, I'm just going to call you Trump. But, um, if, uh, uh, yes, if, if you need to stop to put some more in or something, that's fine. Of course. All right. Okay. Well, are you ready to go? Whenever you are. Okay, cool. All right. Three, a two, a one now. Podcast Weird from the live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas, the city that brought you White Denim, Friday Night Lights, Madeline Murray O'Hare, Towns Van Zant, Alex Jones, Casino El Camino, the Harry Ransom Center, and the world's largest urban population of Mexican free-tailed bats. This is A Slippery Slope, the podcast with the dazed and confused Mark Browner and Lodger. Hey, Mark Browner. Hey, Lodger. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, since you mentioned Alex Jones, we we need to start saying that uh, our podcast smells like sulfur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's so crazy! I was I'm I was on Facebook, and I'm you know on Facebook you can be friends with different people that you really don't know in real life. Like I'm Fred, I'm uh, friends with Fred Schneider of the B52s, right? And um, you know, which I'm sure he's friends with 10 million people. Uh, But he he posted that Alex Jones video with the the subtitle, "Who is this guy?" And that was the first time I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God, Alex Jones has always been out of his mind, but he just keeps getting more and more out of his mind oh, no to the shit. point of absurdity. It's so funny. Wow. It's like – And then – Yeah, when did he get in, onto this kick where all of a sudden Obama and uh, Hillary are demons? Holy fuckballs. What the yeah. hell's going and on? Did, uh, did you see where, where Obama actually – uh, answered back to him, kind of. Yeah, I saw the speech where he, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he basically where he made smells fun. himself. Yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, I love Obama because he doesn't seem to give a fuck anymore. He's no. just gonna say whatever he thinks, man. Oh. He's he's starting to just say what he thinks and 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 answer all these idiots that are against him finally. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, go Obama, go Obama. Right. What, what it's about what, time. Yeah. What does he have to lose? I mean, at this point, I mean, yeah, that's the beauty of yeah. being a second term, you know, lame duck at this point. Yeah. Know, what they call lame duck. But uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got a lot accomplished uh, in, in his last term here. And so. All right. So. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Done, yeah. He's, uh, you know, I'm a big fan. And uh, but I just love that. Obama has finally started answering what people say and 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 and, you know, he's willing to to react to things and not just he's such a cool guy anyway. But right. Yeah. 
I loved that. I thought that was just great. Good for good for him for even though, you know, people say, oh, you should never answer crazy weirdo critics. <laughs> I was no. like, no, go Obama, go Obama. <laughs> yeah, <him."> <laughs> no, it, it's gotten to the point where you have to sometimes have to just call people out on their bullshit and on their craziness yeah. and just point it out. I mean, you can't just let shit just go by anymore. Because, right, unfortunately, absolutely. the crazies, you know, win the, the media war if, if, they're, if they go unanswered, unfortunately, in this day and age. I think so. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Yeah. I, and I think he's, you know, he's certainly so cool that yeah. when he reacts, it's just it comes from a point of coolness where you're just like, yeah, Obama, you're the best man. I, right. I consider him the greatest president we've ever had. And, <laughs> and I think he's awesome. I, mean, I just think he's awesome. I don't think anyone, you know, if we, if there's someone as good in my lifetime as Obama, I'm I can't wait because I he's just been great. Right. So, yeah, it's funny his <laughs> even though we the, the bemused tone he uses in the speeches when he's talking about <laughs> the you know the crazies, uh, you know yeah. whether he's talking about Alex Jones or about the crazy things that Trump is saying and doing. You know, it's. Uh, it's it's been a long time in the coming, so I'm I'm glad he's finally gotten to this point where he can laugh about it. And uh, when he gives speeches now, he, he there's no stiffness whatsoever to to what he says when he's giving a speech. He's so relaxed; it's amazing. He's right. He's, he's letting him his real self, you know, shine through, and and people are loving it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, he did, in my opinion, he did a lot of that when he campaigned, He, you know, and and people just like the real him. And, you know, sometimes it's kind of like, you know, sometimes people become president and they're you feel like it's oh they're going to be great and there's going to be this openness like i thought that with bill clinton i thought oh bill yeah. clinton is one of those guys who's gonna have a uh what what used to be called fireside chats you know every uh-huh. couple months with the american people but then he kind of got closed off and um yeah but you know obama at least seems to be having some fun and enjoying what the time he has left as president and just saying what he thinks which is great yeah so okay instead of instead of talking about the crazy absurdities going on with politics right now let's talk about the amazingly wonderful crazy absurdities going on with David Lynch right now oh you know okay <laughs> we hmm. we have said uh, we have said that when Twin Peaks comes back to Showtime in 2017 this podcast may become an all Twin Peaks podcast <laughs> because we I love Twin Peaks so much it's so great <laughs> okay. and Lynch has been you know, I know you do too. Um, Lynch has been. You've seen these little short things he's done online with like uh, uh, Malkovich dressed up as different characters. Yes, I've seen. Have you seen that? Several of those. Yeah. At first, I yes. wouldn't. I didn't know who it was, and then I didn't either. Later on, finally, I said, "Oh, okay, it's Malkovich." You know, because they had publicized it. But at first, when he, especially when he did the log later, it was like. Okay, it looks like the log lady. But who the fuck is that? Is that Lynch dressed up as the log lady? No, doesn't look yeah. like Lynch. Who the fuck is that? 
Yeah, I was doing the same thing. I was like, and he looks very similar. I'm like, wow, they found someone to to do the log lady who looks kind of like her. I was like, this is kind of cool, even though I knew it wasn't her. You know, obviously it's not her. She's passed away. But uh, I was just like, this is really cool because they found someone who looks very close to her and they've used her in this this thing where they zoom in and zoom out that that Lynch is doing. And then, you know, they had the uh, I think she's called Woman in the Radiator, the the singer from uh, a racer head the blonde lady who has like the big cheeks right yeah i and, remember and, and, of course yeah and he he did that one and then and then there was some one uh the, oh and then he did like the eraser head character and i yes. was just like trying you know and even at this point i i didn't figure out it was malkovich until i saw something online where they told that it was malkovich and yeah. i was like oh my god that's fucking john malkovich and all of those <laughs> yeah so amazing well you know malkovich has been doing a lot of things like that where he's done uh like famous paintings where he's recreated famous right. paintings or other, right? But uh, it just took, I I never snapped to it until they yeah they hit me over the head with it. Yeah, and then you and then you, of course you're like oh my god yeah of course it is it's so obvious but until someone yeah. tells you they really did a good job to where you didn't you just couldn't really yeah I just thought it was random people dressed up like Lynch's archetypal uh characters i didn't realize it was the same guy at all at any point so it was yeah just a great i mean that's you know i love you know lynch is so amazing i want the other day i was on youtube and i got sucked into watching this like hour and 45 minute documentary about twin peaks that had a lot of stuff about it not the new one but the i think it was on one of the dvds of the series um, oh, okay. and it, it was really interesting. One of the, you know, I, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. I know you are too, but I'm yeah. not fanatical. I don't know, like on a trivia contest, I don't know how good I would do. And I've certainly been a, quite a while since I watched the first seasons. Sure. I mean, the, the, the sheer number of years between, you know, when that, the, the show was canceled and now has been, I, I can't even remember when, when did it end? 91? Well, yeah, it's like 25 years. Exactly. Yes. Because the because of that thing where Laura Palmer says something about I'll talk to you in 25 years or something which is I mean, it's just so great that it's coming yeah. back. But, I, w- um, I wonder you know, had Lynch always planned this based upon uh, that one scene or it just came to him in the last few years. I wish I knew. Yeah, I'm not I, yeah, and I don't know. I know there were people online who started talking about it. Some of the the fanatical fans who are totally into that kind of stuff started talking about it, and I don't know if that got someone somewhere else talking, and then uh, Showtime approached him, or if it just kind of emerged from a social media clamoring, or who knows. But I don't. Know. I'm so glad because we're so lucky. Like one of the things in this documentary I watched that I didn't know is that when they were first developing the show, it was called Northwest Passage. I, oh. I had never heard that. Really? And, Interesting. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That was the original title of the pilot they sold. Uh, and or I guess when they sold it as a um, as a spec script, not as a as a the pilot. Um, hmm. But they the, and then at a certain point they were talking about the town and how these two mountains were there and then that brought up Twin Peaks and then apparently they did some scouting and found a location that had two mountains in the background huh. that were called then that it just fit what they were doing and the yeah. other thing they were showing was they that all the interiors were in some kind of a warehouse in I think it was in 
Washington. Maybe it was in California. So like all the interiors weren't shot, you know, like the 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 um, lodge that uh, Benjamin right. Horn owns. The great looks Nor- like a real fucking lodge. Yeah, the great the, Northern, yeah. Great Northwestern or whatever it was called. Yeah, Great Northern. I don't remember. Look, yeah, it looks it looks like a that looks like a real lodge like they filmed. I mean, I, you know, right. the, I know it's the magic of television, but sure. Y- y- I was just surprised that so many of those interiors weren't real interiors. Huh. They were actually they built fucking sets in this wow. warehouse. Uh, and it's like a warehouse that that television people use all the time now. But when Twin Peaks did it, they were one of the first to use this where it's just some huh. old warehouse I, I don't even remember where it was so but okay. anyway I'm, I'm getting freaking excited about <laughs> twin peaks man yeah can't i can't wait. wait to see how how they're going to uh to roll this thing out you know it's uh it's interesting how many returning yeah. you know i know there's going to be a lot of returning characters but obviously there's going to be a lot of new characters as well and so that's That'll be interesting to see who those are. And I think they've released some of the names of some of the actors that will be new, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you know more about that than I do. Well, I know they released a list of, of cast members, and I don't know if it was a complete list or not, but it was certainly like around 100 people, and many of them people that we uh, – you know, know from the original series that are returning. Yeah. But then there were some new ones, and the only one I can remember because it's the only one that I went, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't wait, is Michael Sarah. <laughs> I'm just oh, thinking Michael Sarah right. in yeah, Twin yeah. Peaks. I mean, he's so weird and squirrely anyway that <laughs> he just seems per- perfect for Lynch. <laughs> right. You know? Okay. Yeah. I can't wait. He's probably in it for two seconds, but I can't wait. I mean, that's just one of those things I'm dying to see what that's about. So, yeah. Same here. So, yeah. So, do, we don't have much longer, man. 2017 isn't that far away. I, no. I don't know when, you know, they still haven't said exactly when the first episode will air, but, um, Hmm. I, I can't wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, you would think that they would be releasing some more teaser trailers and things over the next uh, you know few months, but I haven't seen anything new yet, other than the you know the Malkovich things. But that's that's it. Right, which really are have well, I won't say they don't have anything to do with the show, but they mean they're not scenes from the the, the no. show. Well, true. It's like they it's, had a uh, they had a teaser that they showed that was uh, Angelo Badalamenti or however you say the guy who's the composer that does all the music for Lynch's stuff. Yeah. Um. Did you see that one where he's like p- playing a keyboard and it's superimposed over uh, someone running a camera through like a big tall trees? No, I don't think I have. Uh, it's wow. only about 20, 30 seconds, hmm. and he's on his he's playing on his keyboard, and he's playing one of the Twin Peaks kind of themes. Yeah, and it's superimposed over like a camera going through tall trees, Ooh. and and it's kind of weird looking. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just like okay, that's kind of a cool little teaser. Hmm. But it doesn't tell you anything about <laughs> about the show, of course. Wow, no, no. I mean it's 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 more just to keep it in your mind or just kind of rattling around in there, not giving you any detail, yeah. just giving you a a feeling. Just right, and sh- enough to remind you that it's you want to see this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> so, oh, the giant. Yeah. The giant, my, one of my favorite characters. Sure. Yeah. 
that yeah really interesting so no <laughs> i'm waving my arms as i say that no i know okay. no <laughs> it is happening it is happening again ah <laughs> uh, that's such a great character yeah the the uh, giant the little man the man from another place yes just so oh so many things i can't wait to see wow yeah so We'll have to see. So anyway, it won't be long. Anyway, I've just been excited. Yeah, I can't wait. So, uh, all right. So, uh, you yeah. did an episode last week without me. What the fuck, man? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. Uh, you were on vacation, and uh, I asked Sierra. I said, "Hey, would you want to do a, a a podcast with me, just to uh, you know, kind of fill in while Lodger was gone?" And she was like, "Sure. Well, what do you want to talk about?" And I was like, "Well, you know." What do you think we'd want to talk about? Just stuff that's going on with us and and recent shows that we've been to and things like that. You know, just in keeping with what we typically do on the show, just from Sierra's perspective. And so uh, she uh, said yes, and I think she did great. Yeah, oh, she did. You guys, it's funny because it's like a 34-minute episode, and I'm like, wow, they covered all the ground that... that me and you cover except it takes us an hour and a half because i tend to ramble i guess well you know we only had like you know two or we only had like two three or four actually only a couple of actual topics to cover and then the rest of it we just kind of (laughs) kind of uh winged it and uh i think it worked out fine the only thing It it was great the only problem we had is we were working with one microphone so we were kind of shifting it from one mouth to the next and so it you know it some sometimes voices were a little low just because somebody was yes. talking while another person still had the microphone close to them and we didn't shift it fast enough so just you right, know yeah you could hear that at times but it wasn't right. it wasn't too bad it was yeah it wasn't as bad as the last couple episodes you and me have done where somehow my microphone wasn't right and uh <laughs> it sounds like i'm talking in a tin can so i don't know what happened <laughs> we we don't know what happened on those hopefully that problem is solved and this episode sounds as awesome as some of our yeah. <laughs> episodes before so our apologies, by the way, for how those sounded. Sure. I think it was something dumb I had done on my end. So Oh, well. Well, you know, you don't sound tinny right now. You sound like, like, like I said, you sound like you're in the room with me right now. Cool. The, yeah. Well, I feel like I'm in the room with you. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. So, so anyway, um, so I, w- I was about to say I need to buy another uh, good microphone so that, uh, you know, if um, if all three of us. Uh, do an episode together, then uh, we'll all, yeah, that would ha- we'll be all fun. have individual microphones. Yeah, I think it might be. You know, and if the if the time is right, we might do that. Well, especially you know, you you and I, you I and Sierra go out and do a lot of things together. So definitely, when she comes with us, uh, or when I go with you guys, or whatever it is to something in the future, it would be fun to yeah. have all three of us talk about it. So I, yeah, yeah think, that'll be neat. Sure, I think that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, we've got a good rapport already because we have gone out, all three of us together before, so it uh, it works. Yeah. Well, you know I adore Sierra. I just think she's awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad to talk to her anytime when we go out or on the show. So Awesome. It okay. Was- it was cool to hear to hear what you guys had been up to too. So I got a little insight into some things you guys had done while I was away as well. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, well now that uh, you know that what now that you know what we were up to while you were gone, now 
we need to know what you were up to while you were gone. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, there's, you know. Did you take another trip uh, to Louisiana? I did. It was my it was my other adult nephew's birthday, Eli. It was his oh. it was his birthday, and he likes to do the the um, casinos. And so uh, it it was just him and me and his mom, my sister, and my dad, his grandfather. And so there was only four of us, but we just hung out, and it was really cool because we didn't have any kids or anything to deal with. And mm. so we all kind of just went down in the casino when we felt like it, and we all had rooms at the hotel there, and and nice. went up and took naps and stuff when we wanted to and met and had dinner a few times and and um so it was very really easy cool relaxed trip and we had a really good time although i lost a lot of money like i always do oh Um, no (laughs) well one of the things you know we go to i am not i shouldn't probably plug any particular place but one one thing that i think is cool Mm-hmm. We we you know there when you get to Louisiana the first place you come to is a little place called uh, the first casino you can really get off and go into is is called Delta Downs I've been there a few times I like Delta Downs it's okay oh. but it's definitely just one of those places you stop for a couple hours on the way okay. and then in Lake Charles they've built some new casinos um, but the the main one we go to there is the um, the Isle of Capri. And again, it's just one of those places we go for a few hours, either on the way into Louisiana or the way home or mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. Um, but we spend most of our time at Cushada. And yes. what's cool about Cushada is like we all belong to their frequent user. You know, they have like a frequent guest program. Ah. So like when you're playing, you know, a lot of casinos do. Um, so like when you're playing slot machines, you put your little card in the slot machine and it keeps track of of uh, how many times you spin the wheels and you build up points and then you can use those points for different things at the casino like meals and oh. um hmm. a rewards program yeah exactly wow so what's what's cool is uh once you do that and you build up some points i i called them and said you know hey i'm coming in uh october these are the dates i'm coming uh, what kind of deal can I get on a, a room rate? And yeah. they were like, oh, you've got, you've got a lot of points. We can just comp your stay. Well, Whoa. you know, I nice. went online and for the three nights in the, and I stayed in their nice hotel for mm-hmm. the three nights, if I'd have paid for it and made the reservation online, it was $800. Wow. So, I mean, it was like, so, I, you know, I, I lost a lot of money there, but my hotel was comped. All our meals were comped. They even wow. have a place where you can go and use points. They have a convenience store in the parking lot where you can go and use points to get gas or buy sodas and stuff. So it's like I got my hotel comped, all my meals comped, and a tank of gas when I left on points. I I didn't whip out my my credit cards once while I was there. That's amazing. It's like even though you lost money in the casino, you still came out ahead. Well, I don't know that I came out of here. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I you know but it certainly makes when you lose you know I you know right. I take X amount and I'm like this is my money to gamble with. If I lose it all, I'm okay with that because that's what that money's for. Okay. You know and and you know I don't lose every time, but this time I didn't do so great. But uh, yeah. you know it certainly makes it feel better when you realize, geez, I got at least more than half of what I spent gambling. I got in free hotels, meals, and you know, other things. So it certainly takes a little bit of the sting out of losing a ton of money. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Huh. Well, that's, so, that's pretty was, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Wow, you've you've become what do they call the 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 high rollers at casinos that yeah. come on a regular yeah. basis? Uh, like they call them like white whales or something. You ever heard oh, that really? term before? I've never yeah. heard that. No, it's like no. the people they but come. I could see where someone and they comp them their rooms and just about everything, and because they know that they're gonna you know they're gonna spend a, a reasonable amount of money, so it's worth their while to uh, treat them like royalty. So congratulations, right? I can. You're, you're I can see those. where someone would see me coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where someone would see me coming and go, there's a white whale. Oh, uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I put myself down before somebody uh, else could. Uh, wow. Well, the first, so the first night, the first night before we went out there, I really wasn't going to talk about the casino too much because it was just a normal visit. Nothing interesting really, you okay. know, happened. But um, right. but the first night I went, I went to Houston and spent the night on the way there because I had a day off without the my family wasn't ready to go yet, and I knew that I had a day off, and I so I stayed in Houston oh. and went to uh, the Manil Collection, which is a a big um art gallery, art, art museum right. in Houston. Yeah. Um, so the, the Manila is also the folks who own, I shouldn't say own, but who have the Rothko gallery. Uh, oh. You know, have you, have you been to the Rothko gallery? Yes, I the actually. The Rothko chapel? Yeah. I went to the Rothko chapel with uh, a friend of mine, Wayne, one time when I uh, was visiting him. So yeah, I've been there. That's actually really a cool space. There's something about I it. I love that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's a very interesting uh, space and something everyone should experience yeah. because it's just a real unique experience. And it's just, it's free and it's right in downtown Houston. It's really easy to get to and the, the parking is easy there. And, and so, and it's right next to the Manila collection. So, mm-hmm. um I didn't. I didn't go on this particular trip, um, but I did. Uh, but I have been several times. And then the re- the main reason I wanted to go to the Manila this time was they are showing an Andy Warhol film that hasn't been shown in many decades. In fact, I don't know that it's ever been shown before. Hmm. Um, so uh, the Manils, Mr. and Mrs. Manil, were were art collectors and art lovers. Uh, and uh, in the in the 60s and possibly even before the 60s, I'm not sure how long they have done that, okay. but they collected a lot of art and then they were very wealthy, of course. And, they, and mm-hmm. then they uh, commissioned the Rothko Chapel. They built their own museum, which you can go visit and they have lots of their artwork there. And then, you know, they have traveling art shows as well. Again, uh, it's completely free, um, which is really cool. And so in the in the late 60s, they commissioned Warhol to make a film They uh, apparently they were somewhat religious. They they wanted they were trying to do some kind of exhibition with several artists with the theme of not religion necessarily, but, you know, religious contemplation, I guess, is what they were trying to to okay, like was the theme of what they were trying to do. Spirituality. Yes. Yes, exactly. OK. And um. And so they commissioned him to make a film, and he filmed uh, several sunsets. And I guess hmm. some of them were some of those films were used in. You know, he he had a, a showing of a film one time called Twenty Four Hours or Twenty Five Hours. Yeah. Uh, some I think it was also called Five Star. And um, uh, so I think some of those sunset films were used in that film. But oh, they see. at the Manil they have a real of of 16 millimeter reel of 30 minutes of a sunset he shot somewhere in california Hmm. and it has so it's in color 
it, and it has it has really it's really interesting. It's a really interesting film because the the colors in it slowly change as the thirty minutes goes by and the sun yeah. sets. Hmm. It's a, it's really a, a interesting to see it, and then. Um, while that is happening, Nico, the lead singer of the Velvet Underground, and she right. had a solo career, you know, was a big Andy Warhol person, yes. reads some poetry. And the poetry is really bad. It's like, <laughs> you are here. I am here. We are here. You know, it's not great poetry by any shakes, but, you know, Nico's yeah. voice is always cool. And yeah. so, so, so that, that goes on. And then, um, uh, you you know it's funny because you, you're about probably it's 30 minutes long it go it really goes fast it didn't seem like 30 it's 33 minutes it didn't seem like it was that long but mm. you go probably 10 minutes of just watching the sunset and and she's reading her poetry it becomes very meditative and very um, you know you kind of zone out a little bit and right. and you know you, you, you because it's the film doesn't change and then all of a sudden mm. a plane flies by <laughs> <laughs> wow and so hmm. so there are like at a certain point in the film i think it's three times a plane goes by and then there's a okay. couple time where somebody moves the camera uh pans it up to the sky and oh. then it sits there for a minute and it pans back down. And I don't know if the like the lock on the pan somehow came loose oh, in the camera actually. But right. it tilts pretty slowly. It seems more like someone deliberately does it. But it's just very random and it just happens a couple of times towards the end of the movie. Hmm. Yeah, that seems and, rather and that's, odd. <laughs> yeah, that's all there is to it, you know. That hmm. that's the whole film. And okay. um but it's it's really cool because um the colors are interesting um and it, it it's a very you know a meditative type of a movie you really start to i don't mean zone out but you know you you start to just kind of it's more like um you know it's not it's not a movie where you're paying attention for 33 minutes it's more like a meditation and and uh and the the poetry is more like a mantra Maybe very much so. Yeah, very okay. much so. Yeah. So it becomes very I don't know what the word I'm looking for, you know, but it becomes very much where you just kind of your your mind kind of zones out a little bit yeah. and you're just kind of there, but aware like like mm -hmm. what I assume people who meditate kind of experience. Yeah. And um, and like, then, like David so, Lynch, he likes to meditate. Transcendental yeah, meditation. Yeah. He's. He's very big into that. Yeah. Catching the big fish. Exactly. Um, <laughs> right. But but it was yeah, it was I really enjoyed it. I you know, I'm a big Warhol fan and so to and this movie and they actually show it on sixteen millimeter. Uh -huh. I don't know if it's the only print they have or if they've somehow made a copy of the print they have because they own this print, the Manil. Yeah, they So I don't know if they're sh they commissioned it, you said? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's specifically and so, made for them. Hmm. Nice. Yes. And it's shot on 16 millimeter. They show it on 16 millimeter at the Manil. Um, and right. they're showing it for about three months here every night at around, I believe it starts at exactly at six every night um, for the next. And I don't even know. I've got some of this paperwork stuff they gave us, but I don't remember exactly how long that's going on. Okay. Um, so you said it's it was shot in 16 millimeter, and they're also projecting it in 16 millimeter. They never did a digital transfer. 
Correct. Wow. It shows on okay. film on yeah. a 16 millimeter projector. Yeah. It's Wednesday through Sunday at 6 p.m. going on now through January 8th. So lots of time to head over to Houston and uh, and go see that move. You know, go see that as part yeah. of your trip to Houston. Um, visiting the Manel is certainly cool too. And then you see it at six o'clock. And and then they showed two other short films afterwards. But they do something different every every few days okay. after screenings sometimes they have a speaker sometimes they have music sometimes they show other short films in the yeah. manel's collection yeah um so um so the con- so they actually showed uh, the constant the constant is the warhol film but the other things around it change right and you can go on manel's website and it will tell you what's happening after the screening uh, on different nights there. And it may be only Wednesday nights that they do something extra, but I think it's more than that. But it may not be every night, but but some nights. Yeah. Um, so th- they showed two short films afterwards. One was by a guy named Bruce Bailey. I don't know much about him. The guy who was the, kind of the the curator there who told us about, who got up and introduced the film and then talked about these short films he showed afterwards, mm-hmm. which are short films that prints are in the Manil collection and that were uh, the two guys that they that made these short films both taught in Houston at a certain point in the 60s or 70s. Wow. And so that's kind of why he showed them because there was a Houston connection to them. Okay. Hmm. And, and so one was by Bruce Bailey. It was called All My Life. It was just a film of a fence, but it's considered a uh, very prominent an important 60s kind of uh, underground film, but it's it's just three minutes and it's just a tracking shot along a wood fence with some flowers and stuff growing. And then it kind of, it, the fence ends and then you can see out onto the beach, I believe. Um, uh, it's just a very simple little film, but very Warholian to a certain degree because of that. Mm-hmm. And hmm. then they showed an animated film by someone named Stan Vanderbeek. And again, both of these guys are real well known in kind of underground and 60s art films. Um, uh, But I I wasn't familiar, but it was really cool just to see a couple extra films, you know, short films that that they weren't very long at all. Um, And and that was so it was a really cool experience. Hmm. Well, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Makes me want to uh, make a trip to Houston and see all of that. It's been a while since I've been there. And and I I have gone Mm. to see the Manil collection. I do remember that. It was probably the same day that I went and saw the Rothko Chapel. And uh, so I think oh, I it's, it's probably high time for me to uh, make another trip up across the Houston and uh, see what's going on, See and I'll especially see the Warhol uh, film. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, very worth seeing. And, and one of those things that, you know, knowing the Manel, that, that film might go back into their vault and not come out again for years. So it may be one of those things where you only have a short chance to see it and it could, you know, maybe years before yeah. another chance comes up or it could come out on DVD in February. Who knows? Well, that's true. <laughs> or they, or they, but they, I don't... they may pay, play that uh, 16 millimeter print until it crumbles into dust and then, and then you'll never see it again. So better, better it see it now. It was a really... <laughs> Right. It was a really pristine print. It wasn't scratched up at all. My uh, my hope and thought is surely they've struck a, a copy that they're showing. But right. who knows? Uh, uh, no, I'm sure that they have. I, they couldn't. I can't imagine that. Or, you know, for all they for all we know, 
Warhol may have provided them with multiple prints of it. Well, that's possible too, yeah. or they've made it at a certain point too. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the you know I'm sure the originals in a vault and uh, several prints are you know being trotted out every ever so often as we're seeing. Right. Now, I mean, so I wouldn't cool. be surprised if yeah, if it you know it, it would be wouldn't surprise me if they loaned it to other galleries at a certain point too, sure. uh, or loaned to. Uh, struck a print to loan to someone else, some other gal, some other museum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who knows? But yeah, that was that was really interesting. That was something I I really enjoyed. Started off my trip uh, with a nice little com- contemplative moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was almost like you you know you had some time by yourself before you you spent this you know several days around hundreds and or thousands of people at, uh, at a casino so yeah i gave you and, a little and scream screaming slot machines yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah a little calm before the storm so yeah nice yeah it was nice it was it was nice and my other nephew who's the big art fan like me uh wants to go see it as well so i have a feeling i will go back to houston and see it again oh, at a certain point okay. so well maybe we uh, can that will be nice too maybe we can make a road trip out of it oh that would be fun yeah, now, be. there are so many places in houston i enjoy going that uh there's uh, yeah there's a lot i like to do while i'm there we can go have some good soul food and uh, we can go down to galveston we can do lots of different things while we're there so yeah there, there's a couple of couple of fun things to do in houston there's a lot of yeah it's a nice there's a lot of fun things to do there yeah it's a nice place to visit i wouldn't want to live there and i lived there for 20 years and i and for 15 of those years i'm like i'm gonna get out of here uh and i finally did and moved to austin so that's 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 a good thing sure sure no i get it i mean i'm I'm sure you got a a love-hate relationship with houston I kind of do. Yeah. 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 I definitely like visiting. And then when I've been there for a while, I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I don't live here anymore. <laughs> it's fun to be here. There's a lot to do, but I do start to miss Austin after a few days. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me ask you. So, s- hey, let me ask you mm-hmm. something about Cushada. Now, we know it's yeah. on a, it's on an Indian reservation. Do they Correct. Do they offer any Native American activities or, you know, for the tourists, like powwows that you can go to. I'm sure that's a horrible thing to say, powwow. You know, that's got to be... It's probably... Uh, that's got to be... Right. Uh, a thorn in the side of all uh, Native Americans. We don't have powwows, goddammit. Leave us alone. That was an invention of, you know, whatever. But... Uh, yeah, the the movies or something. Just, I don't know. I don't think they do. Um, like there's a there's a hallway that connects the hotel that one of the hotels there, the nice one that I stay in, the Grand. There's a hallway that connects the Grand to the casino, and in that hallway there are a couple of big. Uh, walls where they have some information about the tribe and a little bit, you know, almost like a museum kind of a thing where they have some different uh, things about the tribe and, and, you know, written word that tells you more about it. Of course, I have never stopped and looked at it. All right. But yeah, curious. Yeah. Yeah. If there probably is some things that I don't know about. Okay, because I was just thinking if they had like an activity where you're like you could go into a sweat lodge and 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 smoke and shit and (laughs) I I mean I would just love to see that picture lodger 
In a sweat lodge. I mean, it's a lodge, lodger, <laughs> lodge, lodger. Lodger so, in the lodge. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yes. I don't even know. I'm sure they have a spa there, but I don't remember ever seeing the spa or seeing <laughs> okay. anything about the spa. Right. Maybe they don't have a spa there. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah it's very much a, you know, it's it's very much a. Uh, you know, you don't even see, even I, I thought maybe the first time I went, which was several years ago, most of the employees would be native American, but if they are, you know, that's, I guess this sounds racist too. If they are, you can't tell there's no one that's like, uh, you know, it's not like you, you go to where all the table games are and every dealer you're like, Oh, that's a native American person. It's right. Totally not, yeah. you know? So, um, but well, they, sure, they are a big employer. I'm sure uh, everyone who works there says, yeah, I'm 132nd. Right, Na- exactly, Native, yeah. yeah. yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew a girl, one of the girls, uh, there was a girl who worked with me for a little while who had been, who had worked there, and she was telling me, I saw something on this trip that said they had, they, they um they have over 1700 employees at at Kushada and i and so she was telling me that she had to live cuz Kushada's in a little town called Kinder and it's a small little town and she was telling me she had to live uh, 30 minutes away and drive over 30 minutes to work and back every day Ooh. um because there wasn't housing set up for them near the casino which you would think they would work on building some housing or something there for people who work there but yeah but it's out in the you know it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere after you get off i-10 you turn and you drive about 25 minutes you drive through a couple of small towns that are speed traps that i've gotten caught in oh, and, of uh, and so you really want to watch your your speed when yeah. you're driving on that small back roads and it used to be a real small two-lane back road and they've improved the roads i'm sure the casino has pitched in uh, a lot to improve the road to get to it um you would think because so. it really i mean the casino has grown i don't even know when it opened i mean it opened when i lived in houston so that's prior to 99 so and i think it opened around early 90s so it's already been there 25 years and it's grown to the point where they have, I think, four different hotels you can stay in while you're there that that are owned by the casino. Hmm. And then there's four or five more in the town um, that they have a shuttle you can take to. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, well, we've got, like always, we've got a couple things, but uh, do you have time for me to talk about a couple of DVDs that I've seen recently? Uh, Sure. Why not? Yeah, because I really. Um, oh yeah, if 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 there are ones that you had mentioned to me earlier, I definitely yeah go for it. Yes, because I finally I did get the DVD of White Dog by Sam Fuller, which right. is about a racist dog, and I <laughs> got to watch it. And let me tell you, wow, 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 wow. It was fucking amazing. So really? great. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So, first I don't off, know. I, first, I, yeah. All right. First off, it's probably not a racist dog. It was a dog that was trained to attack yeah. black people. Black and people. S- somehow, yes. Christy McNichol came to be the owner yes. of this dog. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right. So I'll, I'll let you so run with it off, now. The, okay. Okay, all right, yeah. Because, yeah, it's as good as it fucking sounds just from that right there. So okay. the guy who the guy who made the film is a guy named Sam Fuller. And yeah. I'm sure you've seen one of at least one or two of his movies. He made like the the steel helmet, the big red one. Right. Um, he, he made a lot of movies about uh, uh, j- journalism and war. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I found out about Fuller uh, from this documentary called The Typewriter, The Rifle and the Movie Camera. And and it's basically hmm. because. Fuller was a he started as a kid. He started working with newspapers as a paper boy and worked his way up to being a copy boy and a writer and a reporter. And so his his whole background is in journalism Mm -hmm. in the days of when the newspaper was king, you know, in the in the 20s, 30s and 40s. And then he went to World War Two. And and so that is the rifle. Beca- and he made a ton of movies about World War Two. Oh, yeah. another great movie he made. What is called Shot Corridor. Have you ever seen Shot Corridor? No. It's about the the. It's about a journalist who goes in an into an insane asylum in order to solve a movie and or in in order to solve a crime <laughs> okay. and becomes insane while he's there. It's fucking. Ooh. It's one of the best B movies of all time. I mean, hmm. Fuller is a real. He's really a cult film director except he's yeah. directed studio movies he you know and he, and de- definitely a lot of war movies a lot of movies about journalism which seems strange but is actually his movies about journalism reporters are are fantastic yeah and and then um after he got out of World War II, somehow he got involved with movies, picked up a movie camera, and and started working at the studios. Hmm. And I and I think it was because it's what he wanted to do. He wanted to write. He wrote plays and scripts, and and in the 40s, they you know he started be getting able to direct some movies. So okay. He's got a body of work that's that's fucking amazing. Hmm. Um, so that's how I found out about Sam Fuller, and that's how I heard about. White Dog, this this documentary, the typewriter, the rifle, and the movie camera. Yeah. But then I read more about White Dog, and so it was filmed in the eighties. Okay. It was based on a, it was based on a book that someone had written. A guy who was married. Uh, see, and I always forget these details when we go to do the show. It's a really <laughs> interesting story about the novel that it's based on was written by a guy who was married to a famous movie actress, okay. and at a certain point. They had what is called a white dog, and a white dog is a is the technical term for a dog that's been trained to attack black people. And of course, it's, it comes from the South, and it Damn. comes from the days of slavery. But you that's know, that's a this real thing. Set. Holy shit! It's a real thing. Jeez. It's set in the '80s, so mm-hmm. it. But you know, it's based on. I mean, it, the training started back in the day when uh when there was slavery of course they were trained to chase slaves when they tried to run away wow Um, and even though the white dog in white dog is a white colored dog not all white dogs are white dogs Um, not all white dogs are colored white so okay anyway so the movie actually got made in 1980 and then there and Samuel Fuller is someone who is doesn't have a racist bone in his body. And somehow right. there was this negative campaign started saying it was a racist movie oh, before no. anyone had even ever seen a frame of it. Uh, and so by the time he finished it, the the movie studio and I don't remember if it was Universal or who it was, um, but didn't want to release it and they shelved it. 
Damn. And it got wow. shown. It got okay. shown in France for a few weeks, and then it didn't really get. It got shown at a couple film festivals in America, and then it disappeared. So for many years hmm. before the age of DVDs and VHS, it was an unseen movie. It was just one of those movies that people had heard about, but only a few, a handful of people had gotten to see. And uh, huh. so that's what made it really, you know, one of those films I always wanted to see because right. I heard about it for a long time back in the day when it was impossible to see yeah. and then i think they released it in dvd uh in the 90s um and criterion collection has actually brought it out and now it's considered a cult masterpiece wow. and um it's really it's it is it, <laughs> i mean it's christy mcnichol and it's christy mcnichol you know pre-empty nest christy mcnichol it's christy yeah. mcnichol from when she's like 18 years old she wears right the uh-huh. Go ahead. It was like right after she did that uh, TV show, Family. Right after Family, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I had a I had a huge crush on her when I was a kid, and yeah. and uh, Jodie Foster and Kate sure. Jackson. So I was I was obviously <laughs> going to be gay. Um, right. You know, I was like, how could my parents not see this coming? I. There's 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 so many tangential things I want to talk about here. When I was I, in, I can tell. when I. When I worked in radio in the 80s, I met a guy who told me he had lived in Hawaii and he had hung out with Christy McNichol and her and her brother, James McNichol, who was also an actor. Yeah. And they had an album together. And he had told oh, me they no. hung out. He hung out with them and went to gay bars all the time. And I uh. thought he was f- full of shit. But now I tend to believe that was a true story because, yeah. you know, Christy McNichol came out came out as a lesbian a couple years ago. OK, I think I remember that. I'm, yeah. Yeah, we all kind of assumed it. How, but how she shocking. Yeah, she officially came out like three or four years ago. Uh, and, of course, she's retired now. I saw some pictures of her online when I was looking her up the other day, and she looks yeah. great. Um, does she still but, have the know, same hairdo? It, she does, actually. Oh, she no. just looks like a little bit older. No. She still looks like a little bit older version of herself. Wow. But, but – you know, she's uh, but she looks fantastic. Oh, I mean, she's good. obviously she's my age, our age, but right. she looks and she looks like she's probably in her late forties. But she's very, you know, she still uh, has a nice figure. She's very thin. Like all these things are important, but I mean, okay. she's a very, you know, sometimes you see a star and they're and they've gotten older and it's like, oh, that they really they really let themselves go. She yeah. hasn't. She looks great. Okay. So cool. okay in 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 White Dog, oh, she yeah. wears the craziest 80s outfits you have ever seen <laughs> in your fucking life. She's like a refugee from an Olivia Newton-John video. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's so great because so here's of... this serious film. Uh-huh. And she's dressed like a like it's a a, a photo shoot for Vogue. Does she have like um, a big it, sh- big shouldered uh, shiny jackets and shit like that? And and um, everything you can possibly imagine. Yes. yes, yes. She even wears this top in one scene, and you it's a scene where you only see her in a in a in a in a big shot. You know, a yeah. master shot for a couple seconds where she's wearing this very sheer shirt blouse yeah. with no bra underneath oh so really it's like, no kidding it's like really tits are just there yes really uh, but it, it, you only see them for a couple it's only for a couple seconds yeah and then everything after that is pretty much a close-up in in that scene you got but, to see your christy yeah. christy mctitzels 
<laughs> Christy McNipples. Yes, Christy. So, Mc- um, there you go. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, so, I'm gonna edit that out. Um. <laughs> no, okay. Great. So, no, I'm not. Uh, because I. Yeah. Well, and so it's it's so that's the um, an amazing part of the movie. Just watching what what outfit she's in next because she plays an actress, so yeah. it somewhat fits her character. But it's okay. it's like she. I don't know who decided that she needed to be in these crazy, crazy 80 outfits. Like, you know, it was the kind of stuff that uh, Christy Brinkley or Lori, Lauren Hutton would wear or something, uh, you know, and I don't okay. know who decided that that's what she should wear, but whoever did, oh, thank you. It's maybe, amazing. <laughs> so, maybe her publicist was trying to reinvent her. And so she pushed for the, uh, the real outlandish outfits so that she could move on to the next level of her career. Well, I think they were definitely, yeah, I think she definitely thought this could be the movie that did that for her because she hadn't been in anything that, I mean, she was in Little Darlings, which was kind of great, but yeah. um, but she hadn't had a chance to really do do something serious to acting. And, and yeah. to be honest, she's pretty damn good in the movie as okay. an actress. I mean, um, but but the 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 costumes or the clothes definitely distract, but they distract <laughs> in such a fun way that you, yeah. you just can't help but love it. Right. But, so cool. she hits she hits this dog. um and we're going to tell some spoilers here. She okay. she hits this dog coming home one night, and then she takes it to a vet, and she tries to find out who owns it. And and through a series of events where this – it's a white German shepherd. Uh, oh. You know, through hmm. a series of events where this white German shepherd attacks a couple of people, she yeah. finally realizes that, that it's, it's a white dog. Mm, someone has mm. to tell her someone someone tells her that and because oh. she doesn't know what that is uh, and right. and um and then she f- she realizes that it may be true and yeah. so in in the movie is also paul winfield the great african-american actor of all you know one of the best of all time sure of course and burl ives no oh, way burl I bet, ives yeah I bet burl ives plays a racist no, he plays a animal. He plays a guy who owns an animal, a, a company that loans animals to movie studios. Oh, okay, okay. So he's like an animal trainer, and so is Paul Winfield. And both of uh-huh. and Burl Ives says this white dog cannot be retrained. There's, it is impossible. Uh-huh. And Paul Winfield, who works for him, says I'm going to do it to prove it can be done. Okay, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So it's. Hmm. It's it's I don't want to give away any more than that because that's and that's pretty much where the film goes after that. But even if I told you every single thing that happens, you would still want to see this movie just to see it. (laughs) Okay, it's it's fucking uh, amazing. It's so great. And she's so great in it. And and it's just it has everything you want. It's fun. It's complex. Great characters. Uh, it, it's it's kind of B movie esque, and yet at the right. same time, it's got Christy McNichol and these stars in it. It's just got everything you want in a movie, it, man. It, it, touch, it touches on social issues. So yes, there you go. Yeah. Totally does, and and it's total Fuller. It's total Sam Fuller. Wow. Um, so if you love his movies, you will love this movie just as much. And it it just has you know I, I'm just yeah I I'm like. Just so happy I got to see it. Didn't Sam Fuller always kind of have a little bit of a, a anti-establishment uh, 
uh, bent to all of his films? It, pretty much because he he definitely even when he did studio films, he did his own thing. Yeah. He really didn't let the studios fuck with him a whole lot. I mean, right. White Dog was the last movie he made in America. He made two more films in France after that that I that uh, aren't that well known. I've never seen either one of them, and I can't even remember hmm. what their their names are. Okay. Um, but he was so disillusioned after the studio shelved this film that uh. he left Hollywood, and he was he was becoming an older man by that point as well too but well, he true. only lived for another seven eight years i think after that i think okay. he died in 88 hmm. 90 maybe well maybe a little later than that um another thing that's really great about another the the typewriter the rifle and the movie camera that documentary which yes. by, is on youtube and i posted a link on our page by the way our facebook page oh um, good uh, that documentary uh, is Tim Robbins and Quentin Tarantino. Scorsese is in it, being interviewed. Um, uh, but they all love S Sam Fuller and knew him, and so there's a lot of and there's a lot of great interviews with Fuller in that. And I think Fuller was hmm. alive when they made that documentary. Oh, cool! And that might have been in the '90s. So well, that's great. So and and just. Uh, just one last thing I wrote down here was that uh, <laughs> uh, this great this great quote from Scorsese where he said, "If you don't like the films of Sam Fuller, then you don't understand movies." Wow! And that is that is the truth, man. Scorsese knows what he's talking about. Damn! I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's throwing down the gauntlet there, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's I th he's one of those filmmakers that filmmakers love, hmm. and and. Obviously. You know, I, every movie I've seen by him, I've I've enjoyed. And, you know, some of them are, uh, you know, they're certainly not what some people and they're certainly not Citizen Kane. You know, they're not necessarily masterpieces, but they're just good. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, Fuller as a journalist, he was kind, he kind of made films like a journalist would. He's very straight to the point. He doesn't fuck around a lot. He he he. He just knows how to tell the fucking story, right? Without to, but he always makes it interesting somehow. He, it's he's yeah. Okay, well, one of my faves. Yeah, I mean Orson Welles made two great films. Sam Fuller made dozens of really good films. Yeah, and okay. a couple, a couple of uh, uh, must sees. Uh, Shot well, Corridor okay. is definitely a must see. Ah, okay, okay. Shot Corridor is great. The Iron Kiss is great. His later films, which became more cult movies because they were done more independently outside the studio, are definitely okay. unique and interesting. I mean, he's one of those. He's another one of those guys too who made movies on small budgets, and and so you don't get a lot of special effects. Even in White Dog, the special effects are are you know fair, mm -hmm. um, but you know you you forgive those things because the story's so good and it's always interesting. So hmm. okay, cool. So right. wow, yeah, White, White Dog, <laughs> White Dog, ah. Oh. Right. Yeah, that's one yeah. of those movies. Anyone who loves movies has just got to see it. Okay. Especially if you're older. I think if you're our age and you're a little older and you know who Christy McNichol is and you just love her, you know, sure. I just always thought she was awesome. Mm -hmm. She's so it's so great to see her in this. It's so different than anything else she did. But Paul Winfield too, fucking am and he's a great actor. Uh, uh, fucking amazing in this movie. Just just hmm. exactly what you want. So. Okay. Great. Hey, did cool. uh, did did Burl Thanks Ives? Thanks for letting me go off. <laughs> no, that's fine. Did Burl Ives sing at any point in the film? 
Oh, that would make it perfect. That would make that would put it over the top. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't. I can't remember. I don't think he does. Oh, that's too uh, bad. It, it's funny because I think there's a documentary on the Criterion Collection about about the making of the film. That's only about ten or fifteen minutes. And mm. one of the things they talk about is that Burl Ives was was uh, getting pretty old at this point. It may be one of his, it may be his last movie. Yeah, um, if it's in the and, 80s, yeah. And so he had to use cue cards a lot. So oh, they were talking about how, wow. they were talking about, there's a couple scenes with some interesting camera angles and it's like, yeah, Sam was trying to avoid <laughs> the places where the cue cards were. <laughs> <laughs> ah, interesting, so, interesting. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so the, what's the other DVD? The other DVD, I won't spend a lot of time. This will just be a quickie okay. because it was funny to me because I bought another one of these ones I bought on Amazon because I remembered her hearing about it a couple years ago and was like, yeah, I want to see that. So it's a movie called Cosmopolis, and it's hmm. got Robert Pattinson in it. And, okay. of course, I I buy it. I, I put it in the DVD player and start watching. It's a it's a fucking David Cronenberg movie. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> this is okay. like the second David Cronenberg movie I've watched this month without even realizing I was watching a David Cronenberg movie. Huh. Or that I you know when I bought it I wasn't like oh it's David Cronenberg. Yeah. My goodness. So it's okay. it's like Robert Pattinson plays this young guy who's uh, 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 he works in. Um, like Wall Street, you know, he's a he's a market guy and a financer and a you know a money guy basically, um, okay. and he's young and and become rich and so the whole first two thirds of the movie takes place in his limo, hmm. um, so it's it's uh, two thirds and yeah yeah wow. two thirds of the movie takes place pretty much I mean he gets out of it a couple times but for the most part okay. he's in his limo. And it's one of those movies I watched without knowing anything about what it was about, and I'm watching it, and it's okay, and I was like, yeah, it's okay, it's not that great. And then you get to the third act where he gets out of the limo, and there's a the third act is a scene with uh, Paul Giamatti, right? And it's fucking amazing, fucking great. Well, everything I mean, Paul Giamatti's in is good, so <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, or everything that so, he does is I, certainly. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, I, I wanted to see it cause Pattinson's in it and he has his shirt off part of the time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a, you know, and it's certainly not the best movie I've ever seen or anything like that. I just thought it was funny oh. that I watched two David Cronenberg films this month without really even trying. It's just, it's <laughs> just this... randomly. Wow. Did he do this before he did the twilight series? No, no, it came out in two. Like it's only a couple years old. I think it came out oh. in two thousand thirteen or fourteen. So huh. I remembered seeing him on TV. It was around the time he was breaking up with what's her name, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Um, that this movie came out. So he was in the tabloids a lot because that was going on, oh. and. Huh. And then, of course, he, there was. I saw a couple of interviews with him where he was talking about this movie, but I had totally forgotten anything it was about. And so I'm watching it, and and you know, I didn't even read the DVD cover. I really had no idea what it was about. Yeah. And so it's a guy in his limo for <laughs> 60 minutes. That's that's an interesting uh, device. But, uh, wow, uh, well, I guess it all depends on what the subject matter is that's going on while he's in there. Right. I'm sure he's talking on the phone a lot, and uh, then you said he's occasionally getting out and doing something, and then he's back in the limo. I don't know. Hmm. Right. 
And then other people come in and sit in the limo. So there's four or uh, five people okay. that come and get in the limo. As he's trying to travel across town to uh, get a haircut, he says. And uh, it's a day hmm. when the president of the United States is in town. And so traffic is all backed up. It's right. set in New York. And um, huh. so uh, so his limo is moving slowly. So surprisingly, a lot of things happen while he's in the limo. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, especially in New York. I mean, with all the traffic and pedestrians and, you know, people coming and going. So, hmm, sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very interesting movie to watch if you don't know anything about it because you learn about his character slowly as as it develops, and he talks to different people about different things. Mm -hmm. And then it has a really interesting third act with Giamatti, yeah. uh, where it kind of where it kind of surprisingly it kind of goes left of center, but yet it brings it all back together somehow. Okay. It was, I, it's definitely a movie worth seeing, and and certainly if uh, if for nothing else, Robert Pattinson is half naked a couple times in it, so <laughs> okay. it, it's a win-win. Giamatti's great, Pattinson, and actually Pattinson's very good in it as an actor. He good. he's. Uh, you know, he's a nice looking young man, but I thought he, you know, he did a great job with this movie. You totally buy into his character. So, okay. Now let me, let me guess what happens at the end of the movie. He assassinates okay. the president. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, nothing that crazy. Uh, nothing that crazy, except okay, yet good. it is, it's very Cronenberg in its own way. It's, All right. It's interesting. It's an interesting movie. Different. It's definitely different and interesting and, you know, somewhat cerebral. But, uh, the, you know, it was one of those ones where when it starts, it felt really slight. I thought this is kind of a this is kind of dumb. Is this going to go anywhere? And it, it mm -hmm. takes it a long time to get somewhere. But then by the end, and it certainly doesn't hurt that Giamatti's in there for the last 20, 25 minutes. Wow. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then it, it really. Yeah, everything starts gelling, and and all these little things you've learned about him kind of come into play, and it, it's really good. So hmm. I I definitely if you if you're if you like art films, if you like Cronenberg, and you if know you're somewhat patient, right, then I think you would like it. Yeah. Okay, what's it called? You might Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I'll put it on the list. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, worth yeah. seeing. All right, man. Awesome. I think uh, – did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? I know we talked about – the only other thing that we really talked about beforehand was we wanted to discuss the Fear the Walking Dead finale, oh, season that's finale. True. Yeah, well, we can we can run over that real quick. Uh, Is there anything else you had that you wanted to – Well, um, did you watch the latest episode of This Is Us? Well, that was the other thing I had on my list. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay, good, good. It was great because when I was in Louisiana, I did miss a few shows. Like I missed an episode of um, my gay bachelor show, Finding Mr. Right? That's not what it's called. Finding know. Prince Charming. Finding Prince Finding Charming. Prince Charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I missed that? I missed, the, I missed that, but mm. I caught the recap this week. Oh, I missed okay. um, the abandoned episode where they do Route 66. Oh, yeah, I saw that um, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, uh, so I won't. That's, they're good. We'll talk about that yeah. after you've seen it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I already got online and looked to see when it was showing again. Okay. Um, did you watch the one? We're, we're recording this on a Friday night. Did you watch the one tonight with uh, where he went to the uh, stock car tracks? No, the I, old I, abandoned uh -uh. stock car tracks. No, I haven't oh, seen well, that I'll one yet. 
Mm-hmm. I'll wait till you see that one. Okay. It's pretty good too. All right. Cool. I really like you know as we've said on this show many times I, that's a great show. I'm. Yes. It's, it's called Abandoned. It's on Vice. It's mm-hmm. a great show. Oh yeah, love it a lot. So. Well, what did you think about This Is Us? This Is Us was, I thought it was a good episode because it kind of filled in a little of the blanks about um, uh, Randall, who's, yes, uh, you know, it's not a big spoiler, but, you know, his his original name was Kyle. What do you know about that? Right. It was Kevin, Kevin, yeah, it was Kevin, Kate, and Kyle, which is funny because it's three K's, KKK, and so... And one of the kids is black, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I was like, that. there's something wrong right there. Right. Well, I remember the the conversation between Rebecca, the mother, you know, back when she was still young, and, well, this is another spoiler, she actually met up with William uh, Randall's father, Back in the day, you know, right after she had adopted yeah. them, and she had even mentioned to them, yes, it's, she was, I think she said something, yes, it's, uh, it's Kevin, Kate, and Kyle, three Ks, and she, then she got a weird look on her face, and she was like, mm. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that was the impetus of, uh, when she, when, I don't know if she came up with the idea, or, uh, uh, William, the biological father, came up with the idea of actually renaming him something. So anyway, no, it's William. Will, William, she's asking William, how you know, what can I do to get closer to? To I'm having trouble yeah. feeling close to him. What should I do? And he says, change his name. Change his name. <laughs> Give him his own identity. Right. Which, which I, you know, I was like, that's that's cool. I, yeah. Everything about this is us. I love. Yeah. It it it, it is in my opinion probably the best show on television right now. It's. Uh, and it's written and made by the same folks who made Parenthood, which I always thought was an amazing yeah. show as well. But This Is Us is one of those shows where the characters are – it's one of those shows where there's a lot – it's a drama show where there's no real manufactured drama. You know, yeah. the, there, you know, there's nothing in there that doesn't ring true and real in my opinion. Yeah, um, I would agree. As far as, as, far as network TV goes – this is, yeah, by far not formulaic and, you know, not hokey. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, it feels yeah, not real. Hokey, not hokey, not – yeah, it's very, very real, very believable. Um, you know, I, I'm sure some people have read online if you haven't seen it. The first two episodes kind of end with twist endings, surprise endings. Right. But even those are genuine and, and feel real and yeah. – are shocking only in the fact that to to a certain degree unless you're looking for them you really i you really don't see them coming i certainly didn't see either one of those coming um oh true and then the On third the first- episode mm-hmm. yeah the third episode doesn't really have uh any um su- doesn't have a surprise ending but it certainly has some interesting things that happen that you don't expect right. uh, as well so well the whole randall kyle thing is kind of an interesting plot point but yeah not exactly a shocker yeah. or anything it's just right yeah it's kind of like how well if he was kyle how did he become randall and well of course they they through exposition they tell you that how that happened you and find so, out yeah, that yeah exactly yeah i just i just like every character and storyline on that show the the overweight 
sister and her new boyfriend yeah, Toby. are so much mm-hmm. fun together. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're so likable, so much fun together, so interesting. It's so nice to see a larger woman portrayed as a, a you know, although her weight is something she talks about. Uh, she's she's just a real it's a realistic character and played extremely well by the actress who plays her, whose name, of course, I don't know yet. Um, um, I don't either. But love that storyline. I love this. Yeah, I've seen it. I, I, you know, she sings in episode three too, and she's right. got an amazing voice. That she does. Um, I love her storyline. I love the brother who's an actor who quits his sitcom and now he's going to New York to to try and work on this on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, then the African American guy and uh, br- brother and his father and and just you know all of those storylines are interesting. All those characters are interesting. You, you like them. You want to know what's going to happen next to them. You want to find out you know you find out through flashbacks so much about them just one i just love the show <laughs> yeah so do i oh the act i just can't wait right. i can't wait yeah the actress who plays kate is her name is chrissy metz yeah. c-h-r-i-s-s-y correct chrissy metz m-e-t-z m-e-t-z yeah she is great yes and that and that yeah, scene in the she's fantastic right the scene in the nursing home where you know she gets up there and sings and you know she starts off real shaky i'm like oh shit you know we're, right we're thinking, yeah oh she's this is gonna be her new thing and it's like oh crap she can't perform in audiences but then she 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 moved she kept going and and then all of a sudden her voice just shone through and it was amazing and and beautiful so yeah uh, yeah it was it was, it was yeah, a nice just, scene I love I love the relationship with her and her and Toby I think his name is the the right. guy she started dating. He's a really interesting and fun character too and yeah. you just love them together and you want to see them be happy together. Right. I mean you, I, you know that's what I like you know it a good TV and I'm pretty you know I always talk about I'm kind of gullible and I, I buy into things really easily but okay. if you if you're watching well part of that is you know some people watch TV and they just think it's hokey and they have a real hard time with you know I I can let myself go and believe in things but um mm-hmm. you know a good TV show is a show and a movie too is a is something where there's characters and you fucking literally care what happens to them and yeah. that's how I feel about this is us every character on there I care what happens to them i feel invested in their in them and their story and i want to see things work out for them and yeah. that's a, to me that's a sign of a great show because like we're going to talk about fear the walking dead here in a little bit i like mm-hmm. that show but there's some characters on there that i don't give a damn about <laughs> well um, yeah you know and, and and most every show i like there are characters on there that i'm like yeah their storylines are okay but i really care most about this person right but this is us you all the characters are interesting and realistic and you it's easy to buy into their stories and want to know what happens to them so mm-hmm. yeah and it's well, it's difficult to compare apples and oranges like you know uh, this is us and like you know the walking dead you know it, right it's just they're two different shows that operate on two different levels and so it's yeah it's not even worth doing that comparison but uh right well i mean i but, guess what i was saying you know when it comes to characters yeah you know yeah yeah I, I this is that. us is, sure. what, is so good i care um <laughs> right. i also had to make my my first hard choice of the season 
Okay. You know, I, I don't have a DVD. I don't have a VCR. So yeah. I only watch shows when they're on. If they're on and I miss it, right. I miss it. Yeah. And in order to watch This Is Us, I had to not watch The Real O'Neills, which is one of my favorite shows on TV. Hmm. And I also like Fresh Off the Boat, which is another show that was on, that was on opposite. So um, – I, I had that was a hard choice for me because I, yeah. I I love this is us and I love the real O'Neills, um you know which is the show that has the gay teenage character on it that oh, even though it's right. very even though it's very sitcommy uh-huh. um like on the premiere episode which aired on coming out day they had Tyler Oakley and Jane Lynch and RuPaul and some other people in it and I uh-huh. was like how how can I miss this show <laughs> but. I do believe they show it on. I think I can see it online a week or so after it airs. So yeah. uh, I'll probably be going online to watch those shows. Uh, I'm wondering how long This Is Us is going to last. If it lasts a whole season, I'll be surprised. Well, I don't know what the ratings have been like for it. I, I know it's getting good buzz. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, it's one of those few shows that doesn't talk down to you or think you that think that you're a stupid uh, viewer. You know, it actually right. elevates the the tone of, of what network television can be. So three right. cheers. Three it, cheers to This Is Us. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. You know, I like – you know, we've talked about shows we like, like um, – well, Walking Dead, of course. But, uh, you know, some of the Showtime shows that you watch that you like um, and different shows that I like. And, and yeah. on, on so many of them, they have what I – what – I call manufactured drama. Someone's just evil. Sure. Like Fear the Walking Dead has a lot where, where someone's just evil just to be evil. You know, there's yeah. no real motivation behind what they say and do. Whereas with This Is Us, those characters are right. true. And there's no real manufactured drama. It's all based yeah. in realism. Nobody's right. being an asshole just because, oh, he's right. an asshole just because he's an asshole, quote unquote, you know. True. Well, uh, yeah, speaking of Fear of the Walking Dead, you know, the most egregious example of that manufactured drama was the whole banging on a piano <laughs> after getting drunk exactly. in a hotel bar scenario. Exactly. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's a perfect example of what we're talking about here, where characters did something that n- those characters would not do in real life. Neither no. one of those characters is supposed to be that dumb. Right, even, and, even and, when intoxicated. You- Right. Yeah. You know, and, and specifically, both of them are character are characters who have been leaders and have been intelligent and and, you know, it, it totally went against their character type yeah. to put them in that scenario. Oh, absolutely. if it had been, you know, if it had been some other characters on the show, like the daughter character, even might it would make sense. But it just made no sense for those characters to do that. Yeah. And that, I know. that was, you know, I, sometimes I wonder what it, what it's like to be an actor in a show like that, where you're like where they tell you to do a, where you read a scene and you're like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, my character would never do this. Right. What you know, and, and then you have to go act that scene and. I don't know how actors do that. I would be at the knocking on the writer's door being like, I'm done if this is the scene you wrote for me. (laughs) Well, I know. But at some point in time when you're getting 50 grand an episode, you probably stop asking questions. Yeah, well, yeah. And (laughs) they film so fast and furious that sometimes I wonder in the middle of the whirlwind, sometimes you don't have the wherewithal to realize, wait a minute, this doesn't ring true at all. Yeah, well, that's true. And I think think the original uh, 
The Walking Dead has been guilty of manufactured drama where oh. a character does something that's like, what? they know better than that. What the hell are they doing? Why would they do that? Uh, you know, The governor... If I really hate the character of Negan, and uh-huh. he's barely been on the show, but I, <laughs> I and I also I hated the character of the governor. It's you know, there's enough drama in the fucking zombies coming after you. Yeah. Why do you need crazy people coming after you too? Well, I, think, I mean, you know. I think really that's the whole point. That's the whole point of The Walking Dead, though. I think is it. You know, you you realize that. It's not the zombies that are the biggest danger. It's the other living people that are the danger. Well, I mean, I, I guess that's partially the point. And there are times where that works out. Like, yeah. you know, this last episode of The Walking Dead, whatever they called those guys that were like the three bros that Chris hung out with. Yeah. You know, those characters were believable. Because right. they were young and stupid. Sure. You to- you could totally buy into the fact that these guys would do the things that they do on the show. Sure. It's very easy to, to believe. Um, and yeah, so there these, are times where... These are guys who are just out of their teens, you know, or in their late teens, and this is their first time to cut loose. So, yeah, you can see how that would completely happen in some cases right they're the kind of guys that go down to cancun at spring break you know oh exactly <laughs> the, the, so, du- the douchebags that you just shake your head at the whole time right, right. you're like oh fuck this is the guy who's <laughs> naked at the pool at spring break and <laughs> and you know drinking tequila straight out of the bottle and shit right but you know those characters were believable even though they did things that were totally horrible and yeah. no one should do and yada yada yeah totally feasible that these characters would do that totally sure. unfeasible that that uh uh the mom and the the african-american guy i can't remember their characters names now maddie Mad, maddie no that's not her name um <laughs> totally <laughs> unbelievable that they would bang on the piano right while they're drunk down in the bar lobby just ridiculous anyway yeah, very much so the season finale where the bros come to the hotel uh-huh. and meet Travis. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, that was wild. Wow! Wow! Okay, first off... That was amazing. Yeah, I guess first off, we finally realized that, yes, Chris is, in fact, dead. Mm-hmm. I don't think people are oh, so Oh, no, worried. he's under a dumpster. Yes, he's under a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. Yes, he's hiding under a dumpster somewhere. No, he's not. <laughs> oh man. But uh, don't get me started. Uh But now well, I you know, now I kind of feel bad about uh, previous episodes where I were talking when I was talking about him and saying, "Oh, Travis, you just you just need to uh put a bullet in his brain, man. Put a you just need to get rid of him." <laughs> and oh, man, I now I feel bad about that whole saying that because that ult- that's ultimately what happened to Chris so it's pretty horrifying right yeah. yeah it was but i mean you know you reap what you sow man if right. that if that was going to happen it was going to happen yeah. i uh, yeah i you know what what sucks to me about that whole thing is we're taking these two bros word for it that Chris died. There's no reason that they would lie, especially yeah. since they had to know Travis was going to kick their asses. Right. Uh, there, there's, there's no justifiable reason that they would lie about him being dead. However, yeah, we're taking their word for it. And Chris could come back at any time and be alive and whoops, they lied. Well, but y- you would think that, you know, <laughs> after he's, you know, he's, 
pummeled them in the head multiple times that they might actually say, no, 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 he's still alive. He's still alive. We, we just left right, him. I mean, we left him. One would want to believe that that's what would happen, but we're talking about The Walking Dead here where things aren't always realistic and well, people that's can true. hide under a dumpster. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm not bitter. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Somebody else's guts I, got ripped out, and then he hid under a dumpster. Of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He ran off from them, and they didn't want to admit that he left them and was going to go. Oh, he ran off from them, was going to go back and find his dad, and they didn't want to admit that that's what he did. Um, yeah, you know, that, anything. That'd be know. a stretch, but yeah, it could be. Anything know. could happen. Yeah. So the other the other thing that happened in that episode. So really, Travis killed them both and kicked their asses. And I guess that's spoiler alert. But duh. And uh, <laughs> uh, that was such a satisfying scene. Oh, my God. Watching Travis beat the fuck out of them made me so happy. I feel terrible feeling he, that way. No, but he, I just loved it. Not just beat the fuck out of him. He fucking killed them. He killed them. Yeah. yeah, they're fucking dead. With his bare fucking hands. Yeah, yeah. man. He. Yeah. This was the, the the first time we've seen Travis just go complete caveman. He just went berserk. Yeah. Yeah, he went berserk. Uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, beast mode, and uh, destroyed. Yeah. Dis- literally destroyed these guys. So uh, that's definitely a turning point for his character. Of course, it all led up to um, him and Maddie or whatever her name is getting the wife character right getting yeah. uh, kicked Madis- out Madison Madison getting kicked out of the hotel uh, right and of and course then and, they uh, with drive family. through the the cha- yeah with strand stays they drive through the fence to get out of there because they're coming after them because they kill they kill some of the people who've been at the hotel characters I don't even know which characters are which at the hotel anymore oh that's um, right yeah but yeah Basically, the bottom line is everything went to shit, and they left Strand there. Right. Um, well, Strand could have came with him, but he, ended. yeah, he just he decided to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, and then we went to Nick and his girlfriend, and uh, yeah, <laughs> where they're walking, where they leave the compound, whatever that compound was called, um, the commune type place. Yeah. And the, uh, uh, when your Spanish character. Word. You found out more about the character you were interested in because he doesn't he get bitten for real or yes he, he gets get bitten for real. real no he gets bitten for real on the arm and then they're like okay now we're gonna and Nick says okay now we're gonna see and he basically gets the guy to admit that he's been lying all this time about being bitten before and surviving so that finally right that that story that story arc finally ended right. Because his... what's that character's name, the pharmacist guy? Uh, I can't remember what his name was, but yeah. he doesn't he at the doesn't he stay in the in the compound, the commune, whatever you want to call it? Yes. Uh, and he, he gets in the bus and he busts down the barrier and lets the zombies in that kills the uh drug gang oh, guys. That... That goes after the drug gang guys, yeah, the Costco guys, yeah, and um, and then Pelicano, Nick, yeah, Pelicano, <laughs> and then Nick is walking everybody to some place that they think is safe, and they get ambushed at the fucking border. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, wouldn't you just believe it? You know, there's there's always been nuts uh, with guns at the border, so what do you expect? <laughs> but they look like they're in military garb, but they're probably just like paramilitary dudes. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, what's the uh, what's the other chick 
who who ran away from the hotel and she's off on her own and she crosses the border fence and then she gets oh uh, captured Ophelia Ophelia yeah she gets captured by a I don't know if he's a a rancher or what played by somebody famous I can't remember who it was now uh, some actor oh, really? that I'd seen before shit oh well. I'll just have to. Uh, I don't. I don't remember what happened to her. I remember her car broke down, and she was somewhere. And then I. She's. Oh, she's walking in the desert, and somebody shoots at her. Starts shooting at her. She hides behind a tree, and then a guy walks up on her and says something to her. So we don't it's know. An actor you recognized? Huh? Yeah, and it was an actor I recognized, but now I can't remember who it hmm. is. Damn it! That pisses me off. I'll oh, be well. damned. Okay. Oh, I know that's the worst. I don't. I didn't recognize him, although I may have zoned out. A little while that was going on because I vaguely remember what happened. It's been a couple weeks since we saw this. So, <laughs> well, exactly. So, so my big question is: is the is the guy who captured Ophelia associated with the people who ambushed Nick's group when they were trying to cross the border? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How far apart are they really, and what's going on? Because yeah, it seems exactly. like she was out in the desert somewhere near uh, what could be a, a the border area. That's not fenced up. Yeah, because she actually crossed. Yeah, she crossed the the border fence through a hole in the chain link or something. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, you wonder if it's the same kind of vigilante mm-hmm. citizens brigade wannabe. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. Right. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So they'll all be they'll all be back together by the end of the by the beginning of the next season uh yeah it's very likely so we shall see yes so it probably won't that show probably won't be back till spring of 17 although maybe it'll start in january or february yeah um because walking dead is about to come back yeah when is is that coming back on in the 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 20 something the 20 something of fourth the 24th third 23rd of october okay October Sunday night, yeah. Damn. I re- I remember. That's real. Is it soon. the twenty third or the twenty fourth? It's the twenty third, because I will be in. I'm trying to remember. The twenty third, I will be in Austin, going to the Troy Sivan show, and then the twenty fourth. Oh. No, 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 no. I can't remember now. Okay. I can't remember. I think the the twenty third is Troy Sivan in Austin, and the twenty fourth is Troy Sivan in. Houston. Well, that's right. But you're doing I could a, be wrong. You're going to do a double up uh, concert viewing, aren't you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd love to double up on Troy Sivan, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, I'm I'm definitely playing the groupie and going to see Troy Sivan twice. Wow. Which I'm going with my nephew and my nephew's boyfriend. So okay. Um, which my nephew's boyfriend loves Troy Sivan as much as I do. So that's awesome. Well, there you go. Good. So, right. yeah, couple yeah. of couple of so, fangirls there, or fanboys, yep. whatever. <laughs> no, fangirls is fine. Okay. And <laughs> so I just remembered. I just remembered that between the two shows, I was going to have to. Uh, I uh, that we would have to see The Walking Dead probably at midnight on the rebroadcast uh, well, uh, yeah. of the of the debut episode. So right. Okay, well, I I gotta get that timeline straight somehow. Well, you'll still be seeing it. You'll just be seeing it in the second showing of that day. Okay, well, that's all right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, man. Do they do a rebroadcast of the the Talking Dead after the rebroadcast after of the the Walking Dead? 
So mm-hmm. usually the way it goes is Walking Dead at, at eight, mm-hmm. Talking Dead at nine, then at ten they rebroadcast The Walking Dead. At eleven, it's that show with uh, oh, geeking with, out. Um, yeah. Kevin Smith geeking Kevin's, out. Yeah. Then yeah. That's a then at eleven thirty, eleven thirty they rebroadcast. I I don't watch it. Eleven thirty they rebroadcast The Walking Dead, and then at twelve thirty they rebroadcast The Talking Dead. Okay. So they show it. They show it once without The Talking Dead, and then they show it again with The Talking Dead around midnight usually. Okay. Usually, uh, I yeah. Got it. Cool. So it's over at like one thirty in the frickin' morning. <laughs> okay. And then I think again they show it at three thirty or something, three thirty to five thirty or something like that too. Uh, so, yep. For the people who can't sleep. Yep. Or the people, people <laughs> or who work on Sunday nights. Right. For the people who work uh, third shift, or second shift. Right. Yeah. Or go into Choice of On shows. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> go to Choice of On shows. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, man. Uh, what? Well, yeah. was yeah, good show. Yeah, it is. I been enjoyed good talking show. to you as always. Good talking to you too. You want to do an oblique strategy? Oh yeah, hell yeah! I forgot all about it. Okay, that's bad. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a callback to our hee haw conversation. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, oblique strategy of the week. Hey. Yeah. Oh, oblique strategy of the week. Bow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Once the search has begun, something will be found. <laughs> oh. You want me to repeat that I one? I can't tell you. Once... I can't tell you how much I wanted oblique strategies when I was a teenager, and now I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. They might have been a little overblown. <laughs> yes. Okay, so once the search has begun, once once the search has begun, something will be found. Well, you know, that's not always true in life, except that it is. I mean, you're right. You know, sometimes people search for something and think they don't find it. But in the search itself, you always find something. Right. It may not be what you were originally searching for, but but within the search comes something. No, I, th- I think you've hit something upon it. Something unexpected. Yeah, definitely, yeah. You yeah. might have your goal set on something, trying to find something, but but you find something completely different. But it actually turns out to be better than maybe what you were originally searching for. <laughs> right, yeah. Or, or worse. At least different. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, at least right. different. At least yeah. something different that could change your perception of what, of why you were looking for something in the first place. Perhaps. Yeah. All right. I'll buy that. See, we made it deep. See, you know, we made it deep for you. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Yes. Oblique strategies. Dude, I was just Mm -hmm. oblique strategies. I was just thinking the other day. I really want to come up with a better sign off. I mean, my sign off is a is a glib little tongue in cheek jab at at uh, at Ryan Seacrest. Um, Okay. And and I need to come up. I, I you know we've got this platform where I can say something profound and relevant and right. in maybe even inspiring, I really yeah. want to come up with something good. Okay. I'm going to try and work on it. I, I don't know what it could be. Okay. I'll just use my regular – I'll just use my tacky sign-off for this week because I don't have anything better yet. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Well, okay. we know that we know that you're going to be – the next few weeks going to be thinking and searching and coming up with yeah. so, something inspirational. 
something that yeah, that's I relevant can... to you and maybe to hundreds of other people out there. Right, something that will leave us with a with a, an inspiring kind of good feeling kind of a thing. Okay. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll let you work on that. In the meantime, okay. We'll just say slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. Oh, I can't wait for next week, man. <laughs> awesome. Lodger out. Lodger out and proud. 